Half the Battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. We're going to be talking to UFC bantamweight Marion Renault. She just got a fight lined up for UFC Belfast, Ireland. You know she's stoked for this one, trying to get another finish under her belt. She tapped out Jessica Andrade. She's a bad chick and uh, cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview because uh, she was on fire today. And then we're joined by my boy, Team Rock Biggie, Mike Biggie Rhodes. He's taking on a UFC vet. He's defending his belt on UFC Fight Pass. And uh, if he wins this fight, word on the street is he's going to get that call. He's going to be back in the big show. So you know we had to catch up with my boy. And then I'm joined by Eric Anders. This is a guy that played linebacker for the Clemson Tide when they won the national championship and uh, now he's 5-0 as an MMA pro, so total badass. Uh, we had a great conversation, so definitely check that one out. Last but not least, I'm joined by Josh Apel. This guy's taking on Bobby Lashley at Bellator 162. And uh, you know the deal, Bellator tries to bring these guys in to lose, and uh, Josh has other plans, so definitely tune in. But first up, Marion Renault. here we go. Joining me now is Marion Renault. Marion, welcome to Half the Battle. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So, the first time I saw you fight, obviously it was probably the same fight that a lot of people saw you for the first time. You took on Alexis Dufresne, and you know, there's a backstory. Firstly, she missed weight by a mile. You were the smaller girl in there, and man, I mean, you were popping her head back. You were you beat her ass, and it's funny because Dana White was saying, uh, oh, you're too old and this and that, and I think uh, I think you proved him wrong there. Yeah, I did, and, and the thing is, it's, it's a matter of mind over matter. I honestly believe, you know, if I feel like I can do it, I can do it. Um, I don't go in there thinking, oh, I'm the older fighter, I'm the smaller fighter. I go in there thinking I'm the tougher fighter and I want it more. Yeah, and it showed 100%. You know, it's interesting. Not only did she miss weight, but she's also about five foot nine. This is a big chick. Were you at all like, you know, I'm thinking twice about taking the fight, or was it like, like you said, I'm a fighter, I'm here to fight? Oh, no, I it was without a shadow of a doubt, I was going to take the fight. But I do believe that during the face off, um, when I was looking at her, I was like, damn, she's a big chick. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what was going through my head. And I'm like, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So I just went with it. This is true. And for those that don't know, I mean, Dufresne's no slouch at all. She recently finished Marluce Kuhn. And a lot of people don't know that. And uh, you absolutely dominated her. Now, after the fight, what did Dana have to say? Um, you know, he was very congratulatory and he, he was, he was actually really cool. It was really cool to meet him. And he was, um, he was shocked and he apologized for not allowing me to go on the, uh, ultimate fighter. And I was like, Hey, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. I'm here now. So that's all that matters. Yeah, no doubt about it. But just backtracking a little bit, do you think the reason that, you know, you weren't allowed on tough is because, you know, if you would have take if you would have fought those fights with Aldana and Schneider and Anderson, you know, then maybe your you know, the resume would have been a little bit, you know, more wins, but all those people pulled out of fights with you. I you know, I can't think of it that way. I think of it as, you know, it wasn't my time. And the dots weren't connected at that time. They are connected now. So that's all I need to focus on. I don't think of what if and how could have it changed. Nope, I live in the now. I love that mentality. Where does that come from? Um, just age. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's just it's one of those things you just can't think of what if and how's it going to happen. You just think of the here and now and just live in the moment. Absolutely. And I heard uh, your interview with my buddy James Lynch and you mentioned how, you know, your mom said when the time is right, it's going to be right. Can you can you emphasize on that a little bit? 
Yeah, my my mom, she's she's in my corner. She knows my goals. She knows my aspirations. And and basically, you know, she knew my frustrations as well. And she was just there to be sympathetic, but also to be that one woman who says, you know what, suck it up, buttercup. It's it's <laughs> not going to happen just yet. It will when it will. And you'll get it when you get it. So um, I appreciate my mom for that. She tells it like it is. Maybe that's where I get it from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so awesome. Now, your next fight, you took on Jessica Andrade. And we all know Jessica's no slouch at all. I mean, she's about to get a title fight against uh, Joanna or Carolina, whoever wins that fight. And, I mean, you submitted her in under two minutes, got the performance of the night. How good was it to make a statement like that? Um, it felt really great, especially being in Brazil. I mean, you should have heard the crowd. It was amazing. I talk about it all the time. I think it was one of those moments that it was just like I couldn't believe there was so much silence in one crowd that was so loud. Um, so it was one of my um, – it was a great moment to relive over and over again. I smile and I look back at that and I think, yeah, I can accomplish anything. Oh, no doubt. What was the walkout like with them saying, ooh, vamos, air, you're going to die? And you know what I mean? They got so much hometown pride. You know, I, I put in my earphones so I didn't have to hear it, but um, it wasn't as bad as what everybody thought. They weren't really chanting it bad. Um, they weren't chanting that until they announced her name, you know, and so um, it, it wasn't something that I walked out and like, oh my gosh, they hate me. You know, they just, they're cheering for their hometown favorite and that's understandable. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Do you at all wish that the American fans were, you know, would take a, a kind of their own or is it just a Brazilian thing and we got to accept that? I think it's just the Brazilian thing. It's one of those things. It's just like if you're in Mexico, it's a Mexico thing as well. But we're so diverse here in the States that, you know, we have who we like and we like who we like. We, we, we just we're just that way. You know, I just I believe we're very open minded that way. Now, how strong did Andrade feel? I got to know because, I mean, she's a little bulldozer in there. She's an absolute tank. Yeah, she was a bulldozer. She was pretty tough. I was surprised. But uh, I think she's in the bright division. I think she's doing so awesome. I'm rooting for her, actually. Um, so I, I only wish her the best. I think she's right where she needs to be. Oh, no doubt about it. Now, I mean, going into that fight, were you expecting a three-round war? Or did you, did you have a little trick up your sleeve that you were going to finish her when you did? You know, you never know what to expect. You just kind of go with the punches and you, you try to stick to the game plan. Um, so it was one of those things that, you know, I prepare myself for a three-round roar. But in my mind, I was hoping it wasn't going to go that way because it was very humid out there. <laughs> and um, I was like, okay, this is so hot out here. I just want to get this done and over with. Yeah. Now, tell me about your mentality because you're a finisher. A lot of people don't realize that you've only won one fight by decision. The rest, you finish all your opponents and not a lot of people in your weight class can say that. So tell me about that mentality of being a finisher. Um, I Honestly, when I go in there, I just want to get it done and over with. And when you get in there, you're like, if I don't create... Um, an opening or a position where I'm finishing this fight, she's going to try to finish it for me. And that's not a position that I want to be in. So I'm trying to get it done as quickly as possible. Um, and it's just one of those things that you just have to pull, pull, you know, pull the trigger on and you just can't wait around for it. And I've learned with my last fight that you just can't allow the judges to make the, um, the judge, uh, <laughs> the decision for you. You have to go out there and finish. 
Oh yeah, we'll get into that in a sec, but you, next up you took on Holly, and I mean, Holly, not only is she difficult to fight, she's difficult to watch, you know, she hits, she runs, <laughs> she plays that game really well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I watched that fight, but didn't you wobble her wobble her at one point really badly in that fight? I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember it. I didn't, that's one, that's one fight that I won't watch again. I was really mad at myself for that fight, but, um, it was, it was a good experience. Holly, man, she was an amazing competitor. Um, she was very strong. She was probably one of the strongest competitors that I've ever went up against. And, um, I foresee us seeing some stuff, good stuff from her in the future. Um, but, uh, she, she was a very talented, she's very talented on her feet for sure. You're very classy about it. Is it frustrating to fight that hit and run style? I mean, what's it like going in there with someone like that? It was. She was very elusive, very evasive. Um, it was kind of frustrating, but it's one of those things that you're just going to have to adapt to. That's just her style, and it, it works for her. You got a great mentality. Next fight, you took on Ashley Evan smith We all know what happened there. In your mind, I mean, what do you take away from that fight? Uh, I take away that I should have finished her in the second round. I should have went out and I should have attacked a little bit more. I should have been more of the aggressor. Um, I think it was playing it safe too much, assuming, assuming, it makes an ass out of you, <laughs> assuming that, you know, I had did everything that I needed to do and I didn't. Um, so she she got the, the win in the judge's eyes, but I know I won that fight. Um, and if ever we were to do it again, I guarantee it would never, ever go three rounds. Well, as Conor McGregor would say, you learn your craft as you go, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now you get the chance to, I, I wouldn't, I mean, maybe you can say rectify the situation. I mean, get back in the win column. You're taking on Milana Dudieva. And uh, the deal with her is, I mean, she had that fight with um, with Elizabeth Phillips that everyone thought uh, that Elizabeth won the fight and then the next one with Juliana Pena. So this is either a situation where maybe she isn't that great or maybe her back's up against the wall and this is going to be the best version of her we've ever seen. So what are you expecting? I'm expecting the best version of her. I'm expecting her to go out there and to demand the respect that she wants, but it's just not going to happen that way. It's not, it's not something that I'm willing to give up right now. Um, I'm, I'm on a mission as a, I'm sure she's on a mission, but it's one of those things that, um, one of us has to come out the victor and I do plan on it being me. Absolutely. And, and as we mentioned, I mean, most of your fights, you do finish them. So do you foresee a, a knockout or a submission here? I'm hoping, obviously that would be amazing, <laughs> especially a knockout. Um, I, I haven't had one of those in a while, so absolutely, definitely looking for a finish. Yeah, now obviously when you fought in Brazil, the crowd was crazy. Now you're going to be fighting in Ireland and the crowd's going to be crazy in their own way. You know, they're not going to be screaming, you're going to die, but they might, uh, you might uh, get some beer poured on you in the walkout. You know what I mean? Sweet. It's good for your hair. <laughs> <laughs> you excited to fight in Ireland? Hell yes. Um, I'm not excited about the flight. I wish we could just kind of like warp over there and not have to worry about the 13 to 16 hours on the flight. But I am super excited to get a chance to view um, a different area. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. You don't even understand. I want to see a castle so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. And if you get the chance, uh, try to check out Scotland, you know, next door because they have the best castles in the world. It's been over 10 years since I've been there, but I will never forget my time in Scotland. So if you get the chance, make sure you check it out. Oh, you know I will. You know I will. So it sounds to me like you like traveling. Is this true? 
I do. I like traveling. I haven't had the chance to in the past because obviously I couldn't afford it. And I'm pretty much a full-time mom and I work full-time as well. So I haven't had the opportunity to travel as much as I want to. And we all say we're going to travel when we retire. And and so I think I'm very blessed and privileged to get a chance to travel now, um, get some of that out of the way and get some some places that I, I probably want to go to in the future. I know for sure, for sure, um, I want to go to Japan one day. Oh, yeah. And you never know. You might get to fight there at some point. As of now, what's the coolest place you visited? Um, well, I've only been to two. That's Brazil. <laughs> I've only been to Brazil um, and then obviously Vegas. Um, so honestly, anywhere outside the United States is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're the Belizean bruiser and another fighter that's Belizean is uh, my boy Albert Morales. You see him fight the other day? Oh. I did. Actually, I got a chance to meet him. I didn't even know there was a fellow Belizean inside the UFC. It's exciting. Yeah, that's my boy right there, and he put on a great fight, so it's cool to see y'all representing. And, I mean, is that scene developing, or is it just y'all two? Um, as of right now, I think it's just us two, but I, I think it's a good start. I think um, back when my great-uncles used to live in Belize, boxing was very popular out in Belize. And I actually had a great uncle who was a very good boxer. And I guess that's where my dad said I get it from, the boxing genes. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, it kind of catches on back in Belize and they can, you know, start refining that again and start upping it up again because I think they have, I mean, anywhere you go, there's talented people. But, you know, why not see it from someplace where my dad was born, born and raised? No doubt about it. You mentioned your uncle. How did you get started in the sport? I mean, just fighting in general. Uh, I actually had a, an administrator who used to be a boxer. And um, when I found out, I asked her if she would help me out and teach me and show me the ropes. Um, because when she described the box, she said it has it's a discipline. And I was instantly intrigued. I was like, it's a discipline? What kind of discipline? You know, kind of like a martial arts. And so we basically learned in her garage um, I trained with her for about a year in her garage and um, dealt with her teaching me stand up and movement, how to pivot and stuff like that. And so that's where I started from. I didn't actually get a st chance to start with my dad. My dad did not believe women should be in fighting, <laughs> believe it or not. He was that guy. Um, but now he's changed his mind. He's seen me fight and he's he's very happy. He's he likes watching me now. He, he, he enjoys it and he supports me thoroughly. I mean, a lot of us had to learn about uh, women's fighting because it's not the fact that, oh, you know, only men can fight. For me at first, it was kind of like, I don't want to see women get hurt. That, that was my whole thing. But then you start training, you see the passion, the dedication. And it's like, who the hell am I to tell someone they can't do something? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And then that was my dad's mentality, too, you know, because he was very, raised very traditional, you know, where the men took care of the women. And it's it's one of those things, you know, and he was um, he was in the military. And so he doesn't want to see women get hurt. He doesn't want to see children get hurt. And so obviously he doesn't want to see his daughter get hurt as well. So it's understandable. But it's one of those things that he's he's accepted. And um, and now he just he supports me. Now he's one of your biggest fans, huh? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you mentioned your job. Obviously, we all know you're a teacher, which is fucking badass. But I got I, I to ask you, I mean, so, okay, do the kids uh, act up at all in your class or anything? I mean, are they, what's detention like with uh, Miss Renault? No, we don't do detention in my class. We do cardio. So basically, if you mess up, we are outside doing something where I want to see you vomit. 
Um, but the kids are actually really good. They're very supportive. Um, and I've been there for 13 years now. And so it's one of those things that they know me, they know what to expect. They know my expectations and, um, they don't push those limits, which is good because they have a, a respect for, you know, basically what I do outside of the cage and what I do for them in the community. So every year when the school year starts and you get the new kids, I mean, what's it like that first day of school? quiet. It is so quiet. They're very quiet. They're nervous. They're anxious. Um, I think the first two weeks of school is the quietest two weeks of school and that's it. So I enjoy those weeks. I don't encourage talking. I'm like, okay, just be quiet. They're super intimidated, which they don't have to be, but, um, they're, they're very calm. But eventually, uh, you end up getting along with them. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I have, um, freshman females that I get to, um, to teach, and I really like my freshman girls. They're very fun, they're very energetic, um, they're very moody, and so we learn a lot about each other throughout the 180 days we have to spend together. So out of the two, out of teaching and fighting, I mean, would you just say you have a passion for both, or is there one that you gravitate towards? I think that whatever it is that I'm doing at that time, that's my passion. So when I'm teaching, I'm 100% into my teaching when I am fighting a hundred percent into my fighting. So I think I have an equal passion for both. Um, but if I had to choose one over the other, obviously I would love to just train and be able to fight and not have to do work as well, but it's, it's never been that way for me. And this is all I've ever known. So I just make it work. There you go. And, uh, you're a dog lover too, right? Oh my gosh, you know this. I'm an animal lover. Animals come to my house when they are in need because they know I will help them. I am that house. <laughs> so you just got one dog or what's the deal? We have three dogs and they're all rescued. <laughs> um, my fiance is like, please don't bring any more home. And I'm like, well, <laughs> if I find them, if they find me, I have to help them. <laughs> so um, I love animals. We also have a rescued cat as well. So... How does, uh, the cat, how does the cat get along with the dogs? They love them. They love them. I, I make sure that all my animals get along because they come in and out of the house and I don't want, you know, to find one torn to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, animals so are... Good animals. Yeah, animals are the best. You know, I got three German Shepherds myself. Uh, I'm just... Uh, I just love them so much. What kind of dogs do you got? I have a Vizsla. Um, it's like a Hungarian sports dog. She's rather small. I have a golden retriever and then I have a chihuahua named Tank. <laughs> okay, there you go. It's an interesting mix you got. Now, before we get out of here, I got a couple fan questions. So, all right, first up, would you ever fight Cyborg? You know what? That question has been asked before and... Uh, this is how I respond to it because I like Cyborg. She's my friend. Obviously, I've trained with her. If we had to fight each other and there was a 145-pound division and that was a division that I was in, absolutely, I would fight her. Um, however, she does not belong in the 135 division. She is way too big for that division, and her cutting weight to get to 135 is absurd. She needs her own division at 145. Um, so, again, I would if we had a 145 division and that was it. I would absolutely fight her. Um, she's a sweet, sweet person. Um, it was fun to train with her. Um, but, yeah, if I had to, I would. What was training with her like? It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's intense. I love it. I loved watching her through her camp. It kind of inspired me, you know, moving forward with my training in my camps, um, just to watch how she dedicates herself to what she does. Um, it's inspiring in itself if you just truly got a chance to just sit there and have a conversation with her. That's good to hear. Now, it was recently announced Ronda Rousey's making her big return. She's fighting for the championship against Amanda Nunes. Who do you got in that fight? How do you see it going down? Mm, I'm actually rooting for Amanda, but this has been proven to be the year of the and new. Hashtag and new. So you never know how that's going to go. Um, I think uh, I, I like Amanda's style. Um, I think her style is similar to my style of striking. Um, I do want to see Amanda you know, hold on to the belt. Yeah, Amanda is so awesome. Uh, she was down here in Atlanta for, you know, back when uh, Tyron Woodley fought Robbie Lawler. A lot of the fighters came to visit, and Amanda was super, super cool. So I am a fan of hers for sure. And I got to ask you, Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez, you stoked for that one? I am, but I was still hoping for a rematch. Um, I was hoping for a rematch with um, 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 Aldo, but oh. that's okay. Um, i I'm excited for that one. I can't wait to see it. He always brings on exciting fights, and that's what everybody wants to see. So, yes, we're obviously excited for that one. <laughs> Who you got there? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Connor on that one. He is uh, precise. <laughs> he is very strong. Um, he's His style is just so different than anybody else's, but I just love his striking style. So I'm going to have to go with Connor on that one. And I need one more prediction from you. Misha Tate is taking on Raquel Pennington at UFC 205. Who you got in that one? Raquel is a bull. Raquel is tough. Um, I actually, when I when I thought when I saw that come out, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that fight. Um, so I honestly, I'm rooting for Raquel. I'm, I'm with I'm with you on that. Got to go with the underdog there, you know. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marion, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Okay, well, um, I do have a Snapchat, thanks to my students. I have an Instagram and a Twitter and a Facebook, all under Marion um, underscore Renault. Um, if you email me and you want something uh, like an autograph photo, just let me know and I'll email you back. I try to hit back up all my all my fans. Awesome. Marion, thank you so much for the time. Have a great day, all right? Hey, you too. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. Joining me now is Mike Biggie Rhodes. Mike, welcome back to Half the Battle, bro. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And, dude, I mean, let's get this right out the way. You're taking on the UFC vet, Ron Stallings. You're defending your title. You stoked for this one, man? Yeah, man. Um, I'm pumped, you know. Um, my last fight, the guy was tough. He had a, a pretty decent record, um, big record. And uh, I was fighting in, you know, kind of his hometown. Um, I think that's why that fight made sense. But that fight didn't really get me up. Um, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm predestined to be. And, uh, you know, that's the UFC. So, uh, you know, the competition level is, is what I rise to. And that's what uh, excites me about this matchup with uh, Ron. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. But the last guy you fought, I mean, firstly, he's huge. He's the guy that fought Derek Lewis twice. And uh, you uh, tapped him out with no problem at all. Yeah, you know, um, ever since, you know, my, my couple of losses were, um, you know, submissions or, or, you know, a couple lackluster uh, decisions, 
Um, but I went and focused on jujitsu, uh, you know, the last couple of years, and I've just really been honing in on my skill. And uh, I was just recently awarded my brown belt in jujitsu. So, um, and I saw he was lacking there. So I knew I could take the fight there. I knew I could finish there. And so, uh, you know, just making myself more uh, well-rounded and dangerous everywhere. What's it like being a brown belt under Daniel Wanderley? Man, it's huge, man. You know, um, he just gave out his first black belt ever uh, to one of my teammates and longtime, you know, longtime teammates, training partner, former Bellator fighter, um, Justin Lemke, uh, this past week. Um, so to be a brown belt under him, man, you know, that that's big. You know, that just lets you know those things are getting handed out. You got to earn them. You got to put in the time. You got to compete and you got to be able to, uh, you know, showcase your jujitsu. And, you know, not only am I a brown belt under Daniel Wenderlei, but he's directly under Carlson Gracie, Carlson Gracie Sr. Um, you know, his professor Gutenberg in, in Brazil, where he's training now, um, it's big, man. And, uh, you know, a jujitsu rank is something that withheld worldwide. You know, like if you're a kickboxing black belt in somebody's system, that's only that system that you're recognized in. But being a jujitsu brown belt means I can go wherever in the world, you know, and that's my rank. So that means a lot to me, not only as a fighter, but just as a pure martial artist. So, I mean, dude, you're on quite the streak. You finish these fights and we all know that you beat Ron Stallings and that call is coming soon. So how do you uh, stay focused on the task at hand? Honestly, man, um, I know that I'm supposed to be in the UFC. You know, I, I know that. You know, I think everyone else knows that. And that that what that's what keeps me, um, you know, focused is because I'm not there right now. You know, everybody sees it. Everyone sees the level of talent. They see my fight style. They see, you know, they see it in me. And, you know, that that's what keeps me driving is everyone sees it, you know. And, you know, Tyron Woodley just said the same thing to me the other day at, at, at training and, you know, he's helped me so much with mentality and mindset and, you know, just knowing that, you know, timing is key, you know, and waiting and taking advantage of your opportunities when they come um, is huge. So uh, that that's just what keeps me focused. I want to win. I want to be one of the best ever. So, you know, that I, I don't have a lack of fire burning with inside me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped and amped and ready to go every day for training. You've been putting in some good work with the champ. Yeah, you know, um, he just got he just got up here. He had a bunch of media stuff that he was obligated to do. So he's been out in L.A. and New York and all over the place. So he just got in town um, last week. Um, he had been up a couple times before, but he just settled in for camp. Uh, you know, he brought in some training partners and stuff like that. So um, I've been giving him, you know, a minimum amount of look. He had a really good sporting taekwondo guy up here um helping him out so um my role in helping tyron will be a little bit smaller this fight um but just training around him being around him the energy he brings is uh something something you know totally different in itself you starting to feel more at home at 185 pounds yeah you know um i'm just a bigger guy man i'm just naturally a bigger guy cutting down to 70 um you know, it's, it's not like I can't make 70 ever again. It just, you know, I, I don't, I can't afford the lifestyle that I would have to live in order to make that weight. You know, um, I have to eat the best of the best in the foods. I need to have a nutritionist. I need to have, you know, 
a bunch of things that I can't afford to have right now. And, you know, and that's not even guaranteed that I'm going to have an advantage cutting all the way down to 70. I feel great at 185. Um, it's still a cut. You know, I still have to make that weight class. Um, it's not easy by any means. But, um, you know, I feel like that's the it's a wide open division in the UFC. You know, there's not a lot of up and coming um, 85ers. That's why it's so hard to, to find fights at 85. Uh, and I feel like once I get to the UFC, um, it'll be a great road to get my name out there and to get ranked right away once I get back there. Um, and I feel like I'll just be coming into my prime years of, of being a man and an athlete. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Now, before we get out of here, Biggie, you know I can't let you off the hook without a couple of fight predictions, my man. So, dude, you know uh, Robert Whitaker's taking on Derek Brunson. How you see that one going down? Honestly, that's a tough one, man, because – Ever since me and Robert fought, you know, I've had such a respect for him. And, like, um, you know, we follow each other's careers. We're always chatting back and forth. And uh, he's, he's turned to an absolute world beater, you know, um, after we fought. Um, and Derek Brunson is somebody that I connected with through the Twitter universe. And, you know, he's a good dude, great guy, uh, great personality on Twitter and things of that nature. And he's an awesome fighter um, who just – you know, they both have victories over um, they both have victories over Uriah Hall um, in two different kind of ways. You know, Robert dominated him and then, uh, you know, Brunson got him out of there fairly quickly. Um, I think we're in for an awesome fight. I, I can't really pick a winner in this fight. It just depends on whether or not Robert will be able to stop the wrestling and also the power that Derek Brunson uh, possesses and then if Derek can get you know if Robert can stuff the takedowns and and land his shot but I think it's a great matchup at 185 pounds um I'm just gonna stay away from picking a winner on that one the champ T Woodley he's taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson we've been waiting a long time for this fight it's finally happening I know you're taking your boy but how's he gonna get it done um honestly um you know, I'm not going to downplay Wonder Boy and his talents and the things that he does very well. Um, I think he beat a bunch of deflated fighters, though, if, if you look at it. Johnny Hendricks is, you know, he's been on a, you know, that wasn't the Johnny Hendricks that was the champion that fought GSP, that fought, you know, he didn't look that, he didn't look that way. Uh, he fought Rory after the Robbie beat down, you know, it, it, it just seems to me that, you know, he got a couple highlight finishes and people are forgetting, you know, Tyron has been in the game for a very long time. Um, his style is the kryptonite of Wonderboy. Wonderboy hates to be hit. He hates to be marched down. He hates to be wrestled, um, you know, and, and that's and Tyron has power in his hands, man. So I think uh, Wonderboy is in for a rude awakening when he gets hit, when he gets wrestled, when he finds out that, you know, Tyron has great jujitsu. He's going to realize that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of ways to win the fight. You know, he only has one way. That's kind of the outpoint, you know, Tyron. And I just don't see that happening. Um, I think Tyron's going to hit him, put him on the ground. I think Tyron submits him um, early in round two. Submission. Very interesting pick, my man. And before we get out of here, Conor McGregor is fighting Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title of the world. You know I drink the Conorade, man. <laughs> I drink it, I drink it, I drink it. Uh, Connor's incredible man, uh, incredible fighter, incredible personality. Um, 
man, what what can you what can you say about the guy? Uh, he he says what he's going to do, and then he goes out and and, and does it. So, um, you know, I first round KO, man. I think that he's going to land that big shot and uh, you know walk away with the with 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 that with both straps. Um, honestly, I think I mean look at you know Eddie Alvarez did start RDA, but I mean look at RDA since the USADA, you know, like that kind of thing. It's it's crazy how you know, we, we bring up USADA so much because fighters just don't look the same. They're just not performing the same. And, I mean, you know, look at Eddie Alvarez's performance against my teammate, um, Anthony Pettis. That was a split decision, you know, off a, a couple lackluster takedowns where he didn't actually do any damage, you know. So look look at those fights, and I just think that Conor will be able to stuff the takedown. Um, every, Eddie Alvarez's chin hasn't looked, you know, it, it hasn't looked suspect by any means, but I mean, ever since Michael Chandler landed those bombs on him in Bellator, um, I think that he just fought out his best years in Bellator, even though, you know, his circumstances are great. He's a UFC champion right now. I just see Connor being too much um, with his striking, the movement, the kicks. He'll soften Eddie up, and I think he'll get the finish. And real quick, since you brought up RDA, in about two weeks, he's taking on Tony Ferguson in Mexico City. How do you see that one playing out? Um,. Honestly, I think RDA is going to starch Tony. Um, Tony's going to come out there doing all that weird stuff. But RDA hits hard. He's got great jujitsu. He's strong. So a lot of that weird, quirky, 10th planet stuff that Eddie, I mean, that Tony does, um, I think is going to be kind of null and void. It's going to be shut down a little bit. And then I also think that, you know, the wild striking on his feet is going to get him in trouble. We saw how he got hit and got hurt by um, Groovy Lando. Who, who is, you know, a weight, was a weight class up, you know, he doesn't carry the same pop that RDA has. Um, so I just think that RDA, um, you know, with the cardio machine that he is too now as of late, I think that he'll either grind out Tony Ferguson or, or he'll get him, you know, get him out of like TKO or something like that. Biggie, thanks for taking the time, brother. I know it was short notice. I appreciate you stepping up. I'll let the fans know how do you how to watch your fight coming up. I know it's on Fight Pass, but what's the date, man? Uh, it's November 20th before Thanksgiving. Um, I'm feeling like a real Viking right now. I get to go in there, make weight, go to war, and then go eat dinner with my family to celebrate this victory. Um, everybody can watch it on UFC Fight Pass. I'm the main event. I also got two other teammates battling it out on the call with me. Rufus Sport is coming to my home city of Waterloo, Iowa. And, uh, you know, as Connor said, we're not going to lose on that home soil. So uh, we're all going to fight hard, get these victories, and uh, just make sure you guys are tuning in, man. And um, this is a big fight for me. This will be the first time I'm going home um, since my niece passed away from cancer. So uh, this will be a big battle for me emotionally and, and, and everything along with the fight. So, um, you know, I just can't say how excited I am to fight and to perform in front of everybody. And I'm glad that I have the UFC fight pass to, uh, you know, elevate my skill set and have everybody be able to tune in and, and watch. Well, Biggie, you know, we all got your back, man. And I mean, it goes beyond the donations. You know, you're a true friend. So I appreciate the time, brother. And uh, best of luck, man. The fans can follow you at Team Rock Biggie. And Mike, thanks again, bro. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you so much. Uh, and any time you need me on the show, let me know. We can do some fight picks. We can do some fight breakdowns. And uh, it's all good, man, Anytime. Thanks, brother. Have a great day, man.
All right, you too, brother. Peace. Joining me now is Eric Anders. Eric, welcome to Half the Battle, man. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. You're making that Bellator debut. It's coming up. You're 5-0. You stoked? Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting excited. You know, I'm not a very excitable or emotional type person, uh, but I'm definitely chomping at the bit uh, at the opportunity to, uh, to perform on the big stage, so to speak. No doubt about it. And you feel like this is the right time in your career to take that step up? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I had a pretty long amateur career. And uh, there were times in there where, you know, it was like, all right, it's time to go pro. Uh, and now, like, I tore my Achilles or, you know, something always happened uh, where it never really happened. Uh, never had the opportunity to turn pro. And then, uh, you know, uh, I've really been mastering my craft over the last, you know, few years. And I've really excelled uh, and really, you know, gotten a lot better, a lot faster ever since I made the move over to uh, Spartan Fitness. Um, right down the street from my old gym, and you know I've, I've you know flourished there, and you know my my career is just you know it speaks for itself. Five and zero, uh, looking to go six and zero uh, after next week. Yeah, no doubt about it. So is it almost like a blessing in disguise that the amateur career did extend as long as it did? Because you got to get all that experience under your belt. Now you're five and zero. Now you're making your Bellator debut. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, uh, you know, especially as the athlete, you know. Uh, you really don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I had a coach at the time who was kind of pressing the issue. You know, we should probably do this. It's time. It's ready. You know, my old coach, he was ready to turn me pro after, like, five amateur fights. Uh, but I wasn't that naive. Um, then, you know, I kind of realized I wasn't getting what I needed uh, at, the, at, the, at the old gym. Came over to Spartan Fitness and started training under Chris Conley. And, uh, you know, he's put guys in the UFC, and he knows what he's talking about, what he's doing. So I have total faith. Uh, and what it is that he says and his guidance. So, you know, when he said it was time, you know, I, I you know, uh, let's do it. What's that switch been like to that new gym for you? You got a lot of good uh, people to work with? Oh, yeah. You know, I got Omar Johnson to work with. He'll also be making his Bellator debut uh, with me uh, this coming weekend. Matt Elkins, you know, he wrestled in college, uh, MMA fighter. BJ England, Ethan Melisano, Chef Dansby. You know, we just got a, a room full, of, you know, of killers who, uh, ready to get in there and put in work and very unselfish, you know. Um, all these guys have been helping me and Omar, or Omar and I get ready for this fight. Um, and likewise, when they have fights coming up, we help them get ready. So it's definitely a team atmosphere and uh, just a room full of selfless guys who are willing to sacrifice their time, energy, and body to help one another get better and achieve their goals. That's good to hear, man. And you've played a lot of sports. What's it like uh, making that transition to MMA, man? You enjoying this? Oh, absolutely, man. To be honest, I enjoy uh, I, I enjoy MMA more than I ever thought I would and more so than I did football uh, just for the simple aspect. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time, and I love the University of Alabama and, you know, all the, the Alabama fans. But, uh, you know, MMA, it has that team atmosphere. But then when it's game time, when it's when that cage door locks, it's just me and the voice of my coach. And so I don't have to worry about anybody else missing a tackle or fumbling the ball, throwing an interception, fumbling the snap, jumping off sides. You know, all the variables are all on me. And, uh, you know, I, I really like that. But I think it's MMA and, you know, individual sports is the purest form of competition. Um, it's cool to, you know, teamwork and have somebody to have somebody's shoulder to lean on and vice versa. Um, 
but you know, I, I just like the uh, the individuality of the sport. I'm really glad you brought that up, man, because like, for example, for a baseball player, it's the ninth inning, someone else strikes out to lose the game, and you're like, well, fuck, if I was there hitting, I would have <laughs> hit a home run, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and here, if you know, if you get knocked out, you know, you can say you got caught, or you can say it's my fault. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, and then, you know, it's just, you know, it's just me and the voice of my coach, so uh, I've always been a performer, you know, uh, I perform you know, when it's game time, when the lights come on kind of thing. And uh, some guys just aren't, you know. You, there have been plenty of guys, you know, throughout my career playing football or even fighting who at practice or in the gym, they're just phenomenal. You know, they, they can do anything, throw any punch, kick, combination, whatever, move like a cat on their feet. But then, you know, when it comes game time, they just, they just can't do it. And, uh, man, it's just, you know, not really – somebody you want to have to depend on in, in, in the crunch time. It's all cool when, you know, there's no adversity when you're up, you know, 30 to nothing or, you know, 21 nothing or whatever. But, you know, in that third overtime with, they, with everything on the line, you know, I, I want the pressure on me. What do you think it is, man? Because like you mentioned, some dudes are, they kill everyone in the gym, then it comes time to fight, and it's not even the same guy. But, you know, on the other hand, you get guys who – you know, they, they might just be average in the gym, then all of a sudden they're throwing head kicks uh, in the real fight. What, what do you think it is, man? Sure, it's uh, it's 100% mental, in my opinion. You know, I'm not a sports psychologist or uh, anything like that, but uh, I think that's what it is. You know, when there's no pressure, you know, some guys, uh, there's a saying that pressure makes a pipe bust, but it also makes diamonds. So, you know, you have, you know, which one are you? You know, I, I like to think of myself as the one that it makes diamonds. The more pressure, the better, uh, the more I thrive. So, um, you know, some guys, they just don't like it. You know, they're a head case. They just, they just don't like the pressure. And at practice, there's no lights. You can do it again if you mess it up. Uh, we can run the play again or, you know, go over that particular technique or combination. Uh, but there's certainly none of that in the, uh, in the gym. And the guys who perform are in a fight, excuse me. Uh, but the guys who perform on fight night but not in the gym, uh, that just may be a case of, you know, they may be lazy or a little nonchalant. Um, you know, it, it, either either way it is, you know, whether they perform in the gym or they perform in the cage. Or sometimes, you know, uh, you know they do both. They work hard, train hard, and then when, they, uh, when the lights come on, they excel their game to, to meet the level of their competition and whatnot. So... Um, uh, that's kind of the category I put myself in. Uh, I work hard, train hard, and then I just try to go out there and establish dominance uh, in the cage. Uh, but it's all 100% mental, in my opinion. Yeah, that's actually what I was just about to ask you because you said you're a performer. You know, when the lights go on. So, I mean, how do you uh, how do you do in the in the training room? Is it just you do good there, but then you step it up when the lights go on? Uh, you know, in, in the training room, uh, I'm trying new things. So I may get submitted, you know, I may get, you know, uh, not really beat up, but I may get hit more. I for sure get hit more in the gym than I do uh, in fights. But it's because I'm trying new things, trying to elevate my game and not just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, really trying to develop as a, as a mixed martial artist. Uh, when it comes game time, I just do what, kind of turn the brain off and do what comes natural and just react. Uh, and, you know, it's worked out for me well so far. Definitely. What do you think about uh, this dude Brian White you're fighting? 
Um, he's six and four. He's got a plethora of experience. You know, he's been at it a while now. Um, so I think the experience will favor him. Uh, but like I said, you know, the, the mental aspect, I think I have the mental edge on all my opponents, uh, regardless who it is. So uh, as well as the size, speed, uh, and power uh, and strength uh, uh, aspect of the sport as well. Um, so, you know, I'm looking to go in there. I'm re- looking to get a first-round finish, uh, make it look real good so, you know, Bellator will have me back in the near future. Let me ask you what you think about this, because obviously, you know, you did play college football, and a lot of people are going to comment on your athleticism. Does that piss you off at all, that they're talking about that and not your mindset, or is it just, hey, I'm athletic too? I mean, you know, it really doesn't piss me off, because, yes, uh, from a physical standpoint, uh, I don't think that uh, I can, off the top of my head, I can't remember a guy who I've been in the cage with who was, uh, you know, can move like I move, sort of, like was as athletic as I am. And uh, especially early on in my amateur career, uh, I depended on the athleticism uh, a lot to to win fights. And uh, but let's let's not get let's not get things twisted. Man. I'm not like some elite athlete. I don't have like a I'm not Julio Jones, man. I don't have like a 40 inch vert. I'm not six four or anything like that. Um, but I've really dedicated a lot of time to mastering my craft because football and MMA. Uh, especially on your feet, on your back, you know, uh, wrestling, the the movements don't translate very much. You know, I played linebacker, so everything was kind of straightforward or straight back versus like maybe a cornerback who, you know, they do a lot of stuff with their hips and basketball players who, you know, those guys, that that translates very well into MMA. So I had to like relearn how to move my body. Uh, my body type is totally different from when it was, uh, from it was when I played football. So, um, it doesn't really piss me off when people say that I'm just an athlete, um, because that's what people do. You know, they don't, they're not in the gym, uh, at five 30 in the morning or 10 o'clock at night when I'm in there training, you know, so they don't really see the work that I put in to be a mixed martial artist and not an athlete who throws punches, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely makes sense, man. And I mean, when you first got into the sport, I mean, were you a fan first or did you just see some people fight and you're like, I want to try this? I mean, it looks fun. You know, the only, my, uh, my MMA knowledge, you know, wasn't really, you know, I wouldn't very, uh, didn't know very much about the sport. Um, you know, I, you know, I started fighting when, uh, I think Leoto Machida was the, was the champ, you know, yeah. back in, Let's see, like 2012 or 2011. Good times, man. I thought he was going to reign forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just I didn't think anybody could catch him, man. You know, so. Uh, but then, you know, Shogun and John Jones came to the, got on the scene. So, you know, I um, I was a casual fan. I'll say that. I've definitely, uh, you know, I don't miss too many of the, the UFC cards. And I got that fight pass. So even if I do miss one. You know, I go back and watch it, and I really look at other guys' technique, footwork, uh, you know, see what works for them. Then I may go try it in the gym or, you know, ask my ask my, my head coach, Chris Conley, what do you think about, you know, this fight or this matchup? Um, and really just try to, you know, get, soak up as much knowledge as quickly as possible about the sport. And uh, to do that, I feel like you have to watch the uh, the guys that are the best of the best that are doing it right now. 
Oh, no doubt about it. And I mean, you've taken a lot of fights in a short amount of time. I mean, is it just a, a matter of you perfecting your craft? Like you said, you just feel like you're getting better and learning more every single fight? Well, you know, uh, as a professional, you know, I've really not taken uh, a whole lot of damage in my fights, you know. Uh, and I'm to the point now where, you know, regionally, I think I'm at the, you know, the top of the top of the piss and pole, so to speak. Um, so as long as I'm on the regional circuit, I can do that. But then, you know, as I, you know, my career progresses and I'm fighting better and better competition, um, I'll for sure need to hone in and master my craft and kind of develop skill sets to beat certain kind of people. Um, but at this point, uh, I can just kind of train, uh, everything, um, the same amount of time and not have to do too much specific work for a specific opponent uh, at this point. So, no, I don't think I'm fighting too much. I, I like the I like fighting uh, as much as I have. You know, this will be my sixth fight in about 14 months. Um, it keeps me hungry, you know. Um, it keeps me motivated, give me something to work for, so I don't ever have to, man, I don't feel like going to the gym uh, type thing. Because, you know, if that happens, then, man, you're going to eventually take an L, man. So, you know, it's keeping me hungry. And, uh, you know, I'd like to fight again in December or January, um, perhaps November, uh, you know, if this fight goes uh, according to plan. Which uh, area of the game has been tougher for you to learn? Because obviously, you know, the ground and uh, stand-up, they're both, you know, so unique in their own ways. But sure. I feel like, you know, people gravitate to one or the other and are more natural with uh, either striking or grappling. Which ones have been for you? Uh, the grappling has definitely come a lot natural, uh, a lot more natural to me. You know, the, uh, the clinch, the takedowns, the cage work, uh, playing off my back, playing from top, working some submissions and stuff like that. Positional dominance, I think, has came a little bit more natural um, just because, you know, I didn't take much to, to teach my body to, to move that way. Like, I, I didn't have to get as many reps uh, at that, if that makes sense. Like, I just, I just I get it, you know. Uh, but with striking, there's a whole lot of variables, a whole lot of variables, distance, speed, uh, power, um, what strikes to throw when. Uh, and, you know, I, I have, I have you know, at least JV level experience wrestling in high school, um, but I, have, I never boxed before I started doing this. I never did taekwondo or karate or any kind of striking other than, you know, you know street fights and whatnot. Um, growing up, so um, I was completely a fish out of water at first when we started striking. But over the last two years, since I, uh, yeah, I think like two, two and a half years since I've been with uh, with Conley, uh, my striking has just man. If you were looking at like a like a chart, like it would be like flat, plateau, plateau, and then you would see uh, it just go straight up from the time that I went to uh, Chris Conley. I used to be really stiff and really couldn't throw kicks. Uh, now I'm loose. I can move my feet back and forth, side to side, laterally, cut angles. Uh, and, you know, my uh, my knowledge of striking is much deeper and richer now than it was in the past. Yeah, it's interesting you say you gravitate towards the ground game more because, you know, three of your five wins are via knockout and only one of them is via submission. Oh, man. So, yeah, the uh, there are a lot of TKOs, um, you know, just kind of the natural flow of the fight. 
get a takedown, get on top, and then, you know, ground and pound until the ref stops me. And that's just how they've, you know, the, the majority of them have gone so far. Um, so, you know, one fight, I think I threw one punch. My debut, I threw one punch and, you know, TKO'd the guy in, you know, like 43 seconds. But uh, every fight, my opponent has been better than the last opponent. And that will always be the case, whether they're not as good in reality or not. The way I approach the game is uh, my next opponent is the best opponent that I've ever fought. Um, and I train, I train like that as well. So, you know, uh, it's just kind of where the fights have gone. I'm sure uh, takedowns won't always come as easy and somebody's going to eventually force me to just stand there, you know, uh, strike with them. But until that point, you know, what's the point in uh, risking injury or, you know, when it comes to the striking, some it doesn't take much, man. Some of those guys, they just close their eyes and start winging punches. And with a four-ounce glove, which is essentially a sock on your hand, uh, it doesn't take much to knock a guy out. So a bunch of things can go wrong on the feet. Uh, not so much the case uh, on the ground, um, you know, just because I have that. Uh, that's just where I'm better at. So uh, not risking injury, not risking getting knocked out. Get on top, punch him out, ref pulls me off. You know, now it's party time. Yes, sir. What was it like getting a 40-second KO in your pro debut? Oh, it was awesome, you know. Um, at first, you know, you're kind of like, man, is this the right step? And then the cage door closes. But, okay, I'm in here. You know, it's time to go. And then, uh, man, it was, it was, you know, it re I don't know how to explain it. You know, the guy was just backing up the whole time. And, you know, I was kind of stalking him. Stalking him, stalking him. He was throwing some leg kicks. Stalk him, stalk him. And then when I was ready, I threw that left hand and it caught him straight on the chin. You know, he fell back, got on top, finished him off. Easy day's work. Definitely. And you mentioned you started watching the sport back when uh, Machida was the champ. Dude, I'll never forget when Machida knocked out Rashad because right then yeah. and there, I was like, who's going to beat this guy? You remember that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um he, he, like, he just has such a unique style. I didn't think that anybody was ever going to catch up to uh, or figure his game out, uh, which, you know, obviously wasn't the case because he wasn't the champ that long. Um, but just the level of expertise and the unorthodox approach that he takes, I, I really like I really liked that. Um, uh, Leola was one of my favorites when I first started watching the sports. Uh, but now it's definitely shifted towards, like, the Frankie Edgar and the, the Diaz brother type guys, you know, blue-collar type fighters who get in there and grind it out uh, and are experts on the ground and striking, you know. So, now nah, the game, you can definitely see the game evolve um, as time goes on and new fighters are introduced and uh, they bring different attributes and assets to the table. Dude, the sport's going to be crazy in 10 years because you've you, you seen this kid, uh, Yair Rodriguez, you know, because back when uh, yeah. Showtime Pettis, you know, when he did the Showtime kick, it was like, holy shit. And now you got a guy like Yair who's throwing spinning shit every other move. But th this is the thing, though. Uh, I think with all like the concussion protocol and, you know, I think unless somebody's like 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", you're going to see a lot of those guys shifting from basketball and football they're going to start doing mma so right now you have like skilled fighters and just a few like raw natural athletes like john jones for example uh that dude he's got two brothers that play in the nfl uh he wrestled so you know clearly there's there's a gene in that family somewhere and that dude uh 
you know, if he ever gets his axe right, man, he's going to be really, really, really hard to beat. And I think that that's, uh, you know, going to be the future of MMA. The guys who, man, I'm not trying to play football. I'd rather get in here, wrestle and fight and whatnot. Um, so you're going to start getting those raw, natural athletes, and somebody's going to take them by the wrist and teach them how to fight. And the fights are just going to get more and more exciting uh, as time progresses because they're not playing football anymore. They're not playing basketball. They're not playing baseball. They're out there, you know, doing MMA. Man, that's so interesting. Do you think that's going to make it so, you know, there's going to be less guys like Frankie Edgar, who I love. The reason I'm saying that is because Edgar's not a natural athlete. He's just got so much heart, grit, and toughness. Like, that. that's what he uh, won the belt off of. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's skilled, too. But sure. what, what I'm saying is he's not a super athlete. He's just a badass. You think there's going to be less guys like that as time goes on? Man, I don't think that you can ever – count out those type of fighters um, or those kind of athletes at all because, yeah, he may not be the best athlete, but he's going to outwork most, uh, if not all, uh, of the athletes. So um, that that's where the fight's won in the gym. And uh, I just think that those guys that, that don't go away, that, you know, keep working and grinding and really master and hone in on their craft and don't rely on athletic ability, those are the guys that are going to rise to the top. I like it, man. That's badass. And who you got between uh, Frankie and Jeremy Stevens? Because they're going to throw down in about a month. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be fireworks, man. Now, I've always, I'm always going to put my money on Frankie Edgar, man. Always. Uh, you know, that dude, you know, he's a col- he wrestled in college. And, you know, he, he mixes it up. Him and Demetrius Johnson mix it up. Uh, they really do mix martial arts. They don't just box and, and then wrestle and then do jujitsu. You know, he's boxing, wrestling. You know, he punches and shoots probably better than anybody uh, in MMA. So um, he is a uh, true mixed martial artist, mixes it up. You know, he's got good striking, good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu. Uh, he's probably, you know, one of the top guys of ground and pound, get them on their back, posture up, beat them up. Uh, so, yeah, you can't ever count out a guy like Frankie Edgar. Who you got between uh, Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez? And Connor probably gonna lay him down, man. <laughs> Connor probably gonna lay him down. Um, you know that guy. He's so uh, long for the division, you know, and he's got a lot of pop on his punches. And if Eddie Alvarez thinks that he's gonna go out there and do to Connor that he did to Rafael dos Anjos, he's got another thing coming, man. Connor moves really well on his feet. Uh, Rafael dos Anjos is kind of a straightforward. Um, pressure fighter so it's going to be a totally different kind of fight connor can fight moving backwards as we all saw with uh, uh jose aldo knocked him out 13 seconds you know falling backwards so um it's going to be a tough one for eddie but i think if eddie alvarez gets connor on his back and connor could be in trouble but you know we'll see you know we'll see um you know obviously nate diaz isn't the wrestler that uh, eddie alvarez is but um you know, we'll see what uh, Eddie, I hope Eddie's, I don't hope, because it really doesn't matter to me. Um, I probably will put some money on it if Eddie's the underdog, which I'm sure he is. So um, my money will go, I'll probably put a little bit of money on uh, on Eddie Alvarez, you know, just in the unlikely chance that he, that, you know, he gets him down and beats him up and submits him or whatever. But uh, all Connor's losses are submission losses, so uh, we'll see. He's definitely about to take it to the ground. He's not just going to one-punch uh, Connor like that. Yeah. But, well, we'll see, man. He may punch, he may punch harder than uh, 
Nate Diaz. We saw Nate Diaz rattle, uh, you know, Connor. So uh, it's definitely an interesting matchup. Uh, they both have strengths and weaknesses. So we'll see. You led the Clemson Tide to the national championship. What was that like, man? Uh, it was awesome. And there's really not words that I can that I can say to describe uh, the the feeling it is, the feeling you get when a uh, you know your team comes together as a whole unit. And you're able, able to go out there and establish dominance on not one, not two, but 14 straight opponents. Um, had the best, you know, I played linebacker. So, you know, we had the best defense in the land. Uh, and so, you know, to uh, to win at the, the highest level of the sport. Uh, and then on top of that, we were at the Rose Bowl, which is like the most prestigious bowl site there is. You know, it, it was just an awesome feeling that uh, – Man, if you didn't experience it, the words uh, words just won't do it justice. Definitely. So, I mean, after that, you are just like, now I want to try something new or what? Well, you know, I, try, I tried the, uh, the professional football thing for a little bit. You know, I got on with the, with the Cleveland Browns, got cut, went to Canada. They can only keep 10 Americans per team or something like that, you know, left from up there. Played a year of arena ball and it's pretty much just like, you know, if it's not the NFL – you know, I feel like I could have played in the NFL, but you know, if I just told myself, you know, if it's not the NFL, then you know, forget it. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go find something else to do. Uh, so I did the nine to five thing. It was very unfulfilled and unsatisfied with life. Um, you know, I'm a very competitive person. That, that you know, deep down inside, at, at heart, uh, I had to find something to compete with, and you know, just a a rec, rec league volleyball team or kickball team or softball team it just wasn't going to get it done you know so i walked into a gym uh got in there and sparred literally my first day first day and i don't recommend this for anybody but this is just kind of how shitty the gym was uh that i trained that i went to um and i trained with the with the ufc heavyweight uh sparred my very first day in there um i didn't get knocked out or you know killed or anything but i got beat up pretty good and you know i just kind of fell in love with the sport and i was like, okay you know I, I obviously i suck so you know this is give me something to to work for to work towards um give me a new uh, a new craft to master that's badass and now the long-term goal is uh, to get in the big show at some point right for sure absolutely absolutely um especially with bellator you know i think i feel like the uh the middleweight division is really thin so, you know, I, I put together three or four wins for Bellator. I feel like I, be, I could be fighting for a belt uh, here relatively soon. Definitely. We'll be tuning in. So before we get out of here, you and Brian White, Bellator 162. How's it going to go down, man? Uh, first round knockout. First round TKO for sure. Um, he may have the experience, but, you know, like I was saying earlier, as far as the mental side goes, uh, I'm going to have the uh, – the upper hand in all the fights that I that I walk into for sure through visualization through sheer confidence in my preparation for the fight um, I know for 100% fact uh, that, that Brian White is not training like I'm training uh, or has the the bodies and the coach uh, and the training partners to uh, to to help 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 him get better uh, like I have uh, Spartan Fitness is a top-notch facility uh, with a top with a world-class head coach and fighters and training partners so it's just not possible for him to be putting in the work and getting as good as I am as quickly as I am. Well, Eric, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let the audience know where they can follow you and anything else you want to plug. Yeah, cool, man. Thank you for having me. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All my handles are the same, at Eric Anders, E-R-Y-K-A-N-D-E-R-S. 
Uh, and I want to say thank you uh, to the love and support of uh, the people of Spartan Fitness, uh, head coach Chris Conley, tra- all my training partners, my sponsors, uh, Alabama Nation, um, uh, EW Motion Therapy, Advanced Capture Technology, Tap Inc., uh, Chris Rogers. Um, and I just want to give a special shout out to Sam Hodgnett. You know, Sam is a four-year-old uh, who had brain cancer, uh, who's in, you know, his second round of chemotherapy right now. You know, his dad uh, trains at our gym um, and, you know, kind of brought it to our attention. So uh, if you go to Facebook and, and search Super Sam, uh, you'll see it. Uh, you can make donations to, uh, to help raise awareness uh, and help find a cure for cancer uh, and ch- childhood cancer. Awesome, man. Eric, thanks again for the time, brother, and uh, best of luck in your fight, man. I appreciate it. You have a good one. You too, man. Peace out. Joining me now is Josh Apel. Josh, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, dude. So you're taking on Bobby Lashley, Bellator 162. You pumped, man? Yeah, I feel good. I'm ready to go, man. I'm thankful for Bellator for giving me the huge opportunity, and I hope to go out there and put on a show and give the fans what they want. Dude, it's such a big opportunity, and you know how it goes with the Bobby Lashley fights. Bellator love this guy. They try to set him up so he can win these fights, but if you can get past that first round where this dude uh, starts to gas out a little bit, you can totally exploit him. Yeah, you know, Bobby, uh, he's gotten a lot better for it. His gas tank's not usually the best, but in his last upcoming fights that I've seen, the fights that he's had in in the past, He's getting better, you know. He's got great wrestling. I mean, he's an all-around good competitor. I mean, everybody just thinks he's a WWE star. The guy is also, you know, he can fight. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, he's been winning a bunch of fights. But the times he has lost, you know, it's like what I said, man. You know, he does start to gas a little bit. Because, I mean, look at that dude's physique. I mean, how can you push a 15-minute fight with a physique like that, right? Uh, yeah, he definitely has a physique, you know, that all needs oxygen to work, so. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, I mean, dude, you're coming off a KO win over Roy Botton. I mean, Roy is a vet of the sport. How good was that for your confidence, man? It was huge because, you know, Roy's game plan was to take me down and his jits, you know, Roy has solid jits. I mean, I think he's a brown belt now or maybe even a black. And it was just huge to – just to beat Roy, it was a step, it, and uh, he has good ground game. And I, I stuck to my game plan, and I did what I was supposed to, and I came out victorious. So that was huge, you know, and I'm ready to do the same thing with Bobby. Come out and, you know, put on the fight of my life, and, uh, you know, whatever the outcome is, hopefully come out with my hand raised. Oh, definitely, man. And I know we're not going to look back too much, but you're supposed to fight Sergey Karatanov, and he pulled out. What happened there, man? You know, all I know is uh, Sergey got sick. And that was it. You know, I was uh, three days before the fight. I was a little bummed. I was hoping to fight Sergey. Not a lot of people like tune into this to that fight like as many as this fight because not 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 too many diehard MMA fans know who Sergey is. I know who Sergey is. I've watched him from the beginning. You know, not not you at. They're like, what? He fought Overeem. He beat Overeem. What? He beat Verdum. What? He beat Arlovsky. Arlovsky. Yeah. So not a lot of people know who Sergey is unless you're that diehard fan. Well, I am that diehard fan, so that would have been a great fight. But good news is, man, now you're taking on Bobby Lashley. I mean, how's your uh, takedown defense? Uh, I've been working a lot on my takedown defense. I've wrestled since I was 9 years old, 10 years old. So I know how to wrestle, too. I just never use it. I mean, everybody, usually when heavyweights wrestle, we just, from you know the fans' point, they just lay on each other. I like to throw leather, so 
That's where I'm at. Now, let's say he does get a takedown. You feel good about your get-up game? Oh, yeah. I've been working hard on, 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 on you know, different techniques to get up. You know, he's, you know, like I said, he's Bobby Lashley. He's big and strong, so he's going to try to hold me there. But, the, you know, the plan is as soon as you, but if I do get taken down, as soon as my butt hits the mat to get right back up. Now, dude, it's actually been a minute since you fought in Bellator. You've been fighting in some other promotions. Was there a reason why? You know, I, uh, the last time I fought, I fought against a guy named Freddy Akatana when Bjorn was still there. And uh, their transition and stuff, and I lost that fight, and then I lost two more after that. I shouldn't have took that fight with Freddy. I took it too soon. I, I had a serious leg injury, and uh, I was supposed to be out a year and a half, and I fought in eight months. And I was still timid about my leg, and you know I just happened to lose to uh, Carl Similatu, who just who fought um, Matt Mitrione, you know. So me and Carl, are good friends. We were friends before we fought, so that was a little weird. It was a great battle. I mean, it went to decision. It could have went either way. And then uh, here I am, back, back off uh, two fights and both of them knockouts, and I'm ready to go. Let me ask you this: What's it like fighting a friend? And the reason I ask is because a lot of people say. It's weird and this and that. But growing up, my older brother would always whoop my ass. And I always thought, well, if you offered me a couple thousand to fight him, I'd definitely take it. No, no. You know, I I grew up on a neighborhood where we're all boys and we always fought. But, you know, we'd fight and then 10 minutes later, we're, hey, can you come out and play again? You know, <laughs> just how it was when I grew up. And, you know, probably for you, too, it's just how it is. So, I mean, it was all good. It was just like, hey, man, we're going to get paid to scrap, It's and we're boys. Oh, it, was, it is what it is, man. We just all left it out there, and we knew understand it's a business. It's all a business. We both got paid. We both had a good time. We both got bloody. It's a good fight. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned that you had a three-fight skid. Now, with a lot of guys, when they have a three-fight skid, you know, it fucks them up completely mentally. They never recover from it. With you, your next two fights, you won via knockout. So, I mean... Tell me about it. I mean, was it just like, hey, man, I'm going to get back on the on the horse because I'm a fighter or what? You know, I lost those three and I took a step back and I was like, man, what am I doing wrong? You know, the one was my leg. The second one, you know, it was just a close fight with me and Carl. Carl's a great fighter. The third one, I got knocked the clean out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's first time happening. And after that, I was like, you know, what do I have to do? What do I have to change? And I went back to the mentality of how I used to be. I'm just going to come at you like a pissed off pit bull. I'm going to try to take your leg off. It's just how it is. That, that's what the fans like to hear. Now, after you get knocked out, I mean, what does that do? What does that do for you? Adults? Is it like, do you rethink things or is it simply I got caught? I got caught. This first time in what 15 fights for me, I just got caught. It happens. We're heavyweights. We throw hard. You know, I just got caught. I threw a leg kick as he was coming with an overhand left. He ended up shattering his whole hand, but <laughs> he caught me. I went out, flash knockout. I was in the, I was trying to pull back guard, and they stopped the fight. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned you guys are heavyweights, but, you know, it goes further than that. Every fighter has to take that knockout loss. It doesn't matter who you are. Anderson Silva, GSP, Matt Hughes, BJ Penn, it does not matter. No one Everybody gets one, yeah. yeah. No one is exempt. So it finally happened to you. Is it at all a relief to be like, hey, that wasn't so bad? You know, you don't even feel it. So it wasn't that bad. I woke up, I was like, well, I, I looked at the ref, and I'm like, I was still, he's like, I know, but you you're, you were there, but you weren't there. So I called it. Okay, well, I'm not going to argue with you. You're doing your job. You're saving me in the long run. So 
Absolutely, man. That's a good mentality. Like I said, your next two fights, you knock the dudes out. Now you got this huge opportunity in front of you, Bobby Lashley. I mean, are you licking your chops or what, man? Man, I'm I'm hungry. I'm ready to go. You know, I used to stress a lot about fight my fights, and now that I'm 17 into it, it's just like you know what? What's one more? You know, even though it's on a big stage to me, it's just it's just another fight. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna throw hands and have a good fight with Bobby. Bobby's, like I said, I have nothing but the utmost respect. He's a great competitor, and we're going to go out there and put on a show. Absolutely, man. Now, obviously, you're not looking past this fight, but what are your long-term goals in this sport? Obviously, the short-term goal is uh, fight Bobby Lashley, get the victory, but what are the long-term goals? What's your vision, man? I mean, hopefully, you know, everybody wants to be a champ, so I'm going to go fight Bobby, hopefully come out with my hand raised. You know, it's a fight. Never know what happens. You go with the game plan, they change. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to go out there and do my thing and, you know, hopefully get the hand raised, which I'm pretty pretty, pretty good about that one, and then uh, go from there. You got an opinion on being the underdog? Nah. Doesn't bother me, man. You know, he's, he's Bobby Lashley, you know. He's the WWE superstar. He's got the physique, you know. It doesn't bother me. It's a fight. Anything can happen in the game of fighting. Exactly. Especially, especially in MMA because we're not just throwing hands. We're throwing elbows. We're throwing knees. We're throwing kicks. Anything can happen. And to take it a step further, like you said earlier, you guys are heavyweights. So absolutely anything can happen. Look what happened when he fought uh, James Thompson this last one. He happened to shoot that low single and blow his knee out. Anything can happen. It's fighting. Definitely. Now, are you a fan of the sport as well or are you just a fighter? No, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. I started off, uh, I wanted to fight right out of high school, but th- <laughs> things went a different way. I decided to play football. This is my pro football, but I've always been a fan. That's good to hear. I mean, who you got between Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez? You know, I like Eddie. I mean, I've seen Eddie fight when I was fighting in Bellator, so I was always watching him and Chandler, and those were great fights. Once Eddie gets caught, he wakes up. And once he wakes up, I, you know, McGregor's got great stand-up and but i just we don't know about his ground you know he got took there with mendez on a two-week training camp you know what's gonna happen with eddie eddie's a grinder you know he'll grind him out that's a great point man i mean eddie like you said he does get dropped in a lot of his fights but then he comes back and whoops dude's asses so my question here is can he survive the conor mcgregor left hand i believe so yeah yeah i think so He's been popped. Eddie's been popped. And he just, the guy's got a chin. You know, I've never really seen him. uh, I mean, I don't watch all his fights, but I've never really seen him, like, out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he's a a total badass. He's a lightweight champion for a reason. So, I mean, he's a bigger man, too. Eddie's a bigger man. You know, might may not be taller, but he's a bigger man, you know. And uh, Connor was popping Diaz with all kinds of shots. And Diaz, he might have fell, but he didn't go out, you know. Yeah, this is true, man. Are there any other fights you're looking forward to, man, that's coming up? Um, no, nah, just mine. Yeah, there you go, buddy. You got a prediction? It's it's coming up soon. You know, like I, I, I said earlier, I just did an interview before I left. The last one I'm saying, I'm, I hope to, you know, TKO or KO him in the third, and it said Apel says he's going to KO him in the third. So I'm just going to say I hope to come out with my hand raised and put on a show, an entertaining fight, make Bellator happy. And just go out there and leave it all out there, you know? Well, come out bloody and have a beer afterwards. I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. On half the battle, you never have to worry about your quotes going out of context. I'm just going to say that right now, buddy. Okay. Yeah. 
But he said he said I was going to KO him. I'm like, I go in there looking for a knockout. I don't go looking for a knockout. I don't go looking for a TKO. It's a fight. Whatever happens, I just flow with it. If I say I got him rocked, I'm going to press it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the time. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure, man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug, man. I appreciate you having me. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Josh Apel. And uh, Instagram's MMA Juggernaut. And then my Facebook page is Josh Juggernaut Apel. My sponsors are Vape FI and uh, I got a lot of sponsors. Vape FI, Venom, Fight Gear, uh, Float Therapy. I want to thank, I've been at Team Alpha now the last uh, about three months now. So they've helped me a lot with my wrestling and my grappling. And uh, my team up here in Yuba City, Tyson, Jeremy, and, and uh, Mikey, just appreciate what they've done for me. You got any bigger dudes to work with at Alpha Male? <laughs> yeah, actually, when I was used to be at MMA Gold, up there where uh, Max Griffin comes out of, uh, I was up there and some stuff happened, and I would end up going to Alpha Male, and a couple heavyweights left with me, and they got like DJ Roberson, they got David, uh, David Mitchell, they got some bigger guys, you know, David Mitchell, UFC vet, good ground guy. You know, there's bigger guys, they're not 250, 260, but neither am I, so. They're, they're big, faster to work with, but I'm not a big heavyweight. I'm only 5'10", 5'11". But, you know, I don't move like a, a slow, methodical heavyweight. So, Buckles, Justin Buckles and Danny and Uriah, they both helped me uh, develop some new skill sets. And I'm, I'm excited. Hey, is uh, Cody Nola fighting Dominic Cruz? Oh, I have no idea. You know, I, I know Cody. I see Cody. We train next to each other. But we don't talk none of that. We just, you know, we don't talk business. We just talk train. You know what I mean? I know you've been uh, escaping some leg locks rolling with David Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, leg lock city. That guy is uh, stuck on the leg locks right now. He doesn't really throw them on me, but, you know, he's a good partner to have. Absolutely. Josh, thanks again for the time, brother. Best of luck in your fight, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Have a good day. There you have it, folks. Marion Renault, Mike Biggie Rhodes, Eric Anders, and Josh Apel. Thank you guys so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And guys, hook me up with those uh, five-star reviews on iTunes. And uh, definitely subscribe on YouTube as well. Trying to get those numbers up. I appreciate your guys' support as always. Check out my plays on bestfightpicks.com. Follow me on Twitter at bestfightpicks. You know we're going to keep pumping uh, these podcasts out whether or not there's a UFC. It does not matter. Half the Battle is here to stay. So thank you guys as always. Next week it's going to be another stacked lineup. And then the following week it's back to fight predictions because we got Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Tony Ferguson November 5th in Mexico City. So I got a very special guest to break down the fights with me. Cannot wait to announce it. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.